We're going to be over in John chapter 16. We spent, uh, two weeks ago, we spent some time in John chapter 14. Y'all had some questions. We went on to John chapter 15. So we may as well just finish what Jesus was teaching here and just, uh, keep on going over into John chapter 16. Last week we were looking at Jesus was teaching on some of the differences between servants, friends, and disciples. And the importance of doing His command. We want to be, make sure that we're working on a, on a way to becoming friends of God. Not just servants, but people who really go after His will. Really go after doing what it, He said in His Word. And we also wanted to take up the challenge. I hope you did this this week and we were looking for opportunities to become a whatsoever He commands friend. Some of you committed to doing that. To become a whatsoever command. Whatever He commands you, whatever He says to you, you'll do it. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though you don't quite understand why that would be, but you can become one of those people that he can depend on. Well, whatsoever we tell them, they'll do it. Over in John chapter 16. Actually, we're going to, let me just uh, go back into 15 verse 26 and 27 just to read these again. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That word there, testify, is the word we get martyr from. Because people who are martyred for him were ones who bore testimony, who testified of Jesus Christ. And in the early days of the church, they were persecuted. They were killed for it. We get our word martyr from that. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, because of the way the Greek is constructed, not going to break that all down for you, but the way the Greek is constructed here, the beginning means the beginning of his ministry. That they were with him from the beginning of his ministry. Verse 1 of chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that, you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues, literally, synagogue expelled ones. That's literally what the Greek says. Synagogue expelled ones. They will put you out of the synagogues. Now when he says they will put you out of the synagogues, who is the they? It's not the leaders of the city. It has to be the leaders of the synagogue. These are the people that are supposed to be on God's team. These are the people that are supposed to be on God's side. These are the people that are supposed to be studying the scriptures. Are taking the people that are hearing the words of Jesus that are doing the words of Jesus, that know the Father, and they're kicking them out. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now, we saw that in the New Testament because Paul was going out and he was killing people thinking he was serving God. But we haven't seen that stop. Some countries see it worse than others, but people feel like if we persecute Christians who know the Father, who know Jesus, who know that Jesus is the way, who proclaim that Jesus is the way, who proclaim the things that He says, that do the things that He says. These are people that are coming under attack. These are people that are uh, made fools of on the media. They try and find whatever they can and try and take whatever they say and take it out of context. Because their goal is to affect these people. If you've got Christians that are not being made fun of, if you've got Christians that are not being persecuted in some way, maybe you're just not standing up enough. And people don't know. 
but they'll they'll come. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now, God's not telling them that he's serving them by doing this. It's the enemy. So these people are in church, or in the synagogue in this case. They're in the synagogue, and they are hearing instructions to kill these people, thinking that they're serving God. So who are they hearing it from? Well, obviously, they're not attached to the right vine because Jesus began this teaching talking about being attached to the vine. They, he said, I am the true vine. They got attached to some other vines. And they think that vine is God. It's not because they're going against the very things that God wants to do. And they're taking his people and kicking them out of the synagogues. We don't want to be doing things like that. We don't want to be seen on that side. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Now he said before, if you know him, you'll know the Father. But he says they haven't known the Father, nor have they known me. Well, if they had come to know him, they would have known the Father. But they don't know either. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But he's coming to a time when he's not going to be with them. So he's saying some other things. Saying some other things to him. Now, unfortunately, many victims, people that have been victimized by these people, the they that's talked about here, these they's who want to kick people out of the synagogue, who want to take people because they're doing the will of the Father and want to kick them out. There have been people in the body of Christ even today that have been affected by people that are supposed to be on God's team. They're religious leaders. They could be pastors, they could be elders, they could be deacons, they could be whatever the position they hold in the church, but they're seen as someone who should know a thing or two, and they hurt them, they affect them, they become victims of this kind of, kind of stuff, but they think that this is from God. And they get turned off to God. And they get turned off to the things of God. So God tells us things before they happen. So that when we, when they do happen, we don't blame him. He's telling you, look, these things are coming. These things are going to be happening. These things are going on. When they happen, don't blame him. Don't say, well, he caused it. No, he's telling you that they're going to happen. He's telling you this is not what he wants, but it's going to happen. Because not everything that goes on in this world is God's will. God is not in control. I was listening to Brother Hagen teach on this this week. He was he was uh, emphasizing the same point. If, he said, if God is in control, some people would tell him this. If God is in control, he sure has it in a mess. Well, God never said he's in control of this world. He calls it the God of this world. So you're going to see things are going to go on. You're going to see people do things in the name of God. But if you know the Father, if you know the Son, then you can tell that's not of God. It's done in the name of God, but that's not of God. And Jesus is telling you, these things are going to go on. Don't get surprised by them. When we read the Bible and we read of what things are predicted to come about, what things are still said, this is coming. He is letting you know, this is happening. I don't want it to happen, but I'm warning you that it's coming. When it comes, I don't want you to think that I don't care. I don't want you to think that I didn't know. I don't want you to think that the enemy is more powerful. I'm telling you, this is what the enemy is doing in the world. But then, of course, he also says, I have overcome the world. If we do the things 
that he tells us to do, we will overcome the world. But the enemy wants us to succumb to them. Don't do it. So if you've ever been hurt by Christians, people who did things, they acted like Christians, they said they were Christians, and they hurt you, don't take it to heart. Understand, there's people out there that will do things that God has no part of. Now those who don't know Him will attribute such things, or such stuff that's going on to God, and when they do, they demonstrate their ignorance. How many people you know out there that are doing things? This is God. This is what God did over here. Look at God working over here. And you're sitting there saying, "Uh uh-uh, that's not my God. My God does not do things like that. It just shows you their ignorance. And they are attached to a different vine. We're going to go on here into verse 5. I think I put this in your outline for you. That are there not always parts of God? that we have not come to know? How many of you would say that there are parts of God that you have not come to know yet? I'd say that I would be in that group too. So how does this not put us in the same group? If there are parts of God that we don't know, how do we not come into the same group as those, people, those other people that are saying things about God that they're ignorant of? How are we not in the same group? That's a question that I ask myself. How can I make sure that I don't get into the group of people that are going in that wrong direction. I wrote down three things. I couldn't fit them in your outline, but I wrote down these three things. First off, I speak of a certainty of those things I know and walk in. As a Christian, you can speak of a certainty of the things that you know, the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you, and that you walk in. You've walked it out. This has occurred in your life. You have seen this go on. God has worked this through. You can speak to that as a, as a certainty. Salvation. You have walked that out. You've learned it, but you've also walked it out. There are things about God that you have walked out. These have, they have become part of your life. Here's the next one. I speak of only having learned those things I think I know, but haven't walked in. I speak of a certainty of those things I know and walk in. Now I'll speak of those things that I have only learned, but I haven't walked in yet. I'll speak on those things, but I speak on it not with a certainty. I speak on those things. This is what I have come to know from the Word. This is what I have come to know that God has shown me. But I haven't, I can't say with a certainty because I haven't walked in that yet. That hasn't come in reality in my life. You may have been in a spot where, well, I know the Word says that Jesus is the healer, but I haven't walked in that yet. I haven't seen that in my own life. So I can, I know that the Bible teaches this, but I haven't seen it. But once God has healed you, once you have walked in that, that healing, that changes things. Oh, you can tell me all you want to that Jesus doesn't heal. I know the name of Jesus heals because you walked in it. See, there's a difference that's there. Some people want to take the things that they know but haven't walked in and speak of it with the same certainty. You'll get yourself in trouble if you do that. There are some things you just have to back off a little bit and say, this is what I have come to know. And you, you're not going to speak something that's false, but you're going to say, this is what I have come to know. The Word teaches me it here. It teaches me it here, but I haven't walked in it yet. It's going to be a little bit different. Here's the third, third one. I speak of uncertainty of those areas I have neither learned or, or walked in. Have you ever had people in the Christian circle, they come up to you and they ask you questions about something that you haven't studied out, you haven't learned, and because you haven't learned it, you obviously haven't walked in it. 
If that happens, don't feel like you have to have an opinion. There's times people come up to me and they'll ask me, what do you think about this? And the Word of God does not say anything about it. Well, because it doesn't say anything about it, I don't have a, a, a set opinion. I try real, real hard to make sure I don't get set opinions on things the Word of God doesn't talk about. There's people that will teach you things that are going to happen in the millennial reign. I've had people come up to me and say, is this going to happen in the millennial reign? And I'll tell them, I don't know. Because the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about the millennial reign. There's a lot of ifs, a lot of supposition that we have about the millennial reign. It might be that way, but I don't know. I can't speak of a certainty because it's not in there. We know a few things about the millennial reign, but not a whole lot. And then there's the, the kingdom that comes after that. And we know a little bit about that, but I don't know everything about that. So don't, don't feel like you have to have an opinion if the word hasn't taught you one. But speak of a certainty of those things that you know and that you walk in. You can speak certainly on that. But see, if you keep your attitude of such, well, I don't have to speak of a certainty on those things that I haven't walked in. I don't have to be so assured of things that the Word of God hasn't talked me about, hasn't taught me. If you stay out of that area, you won't fall into that other group. But the people in this group will have opinions about things that God has not spoken to. They don't get them from the Word of God, but they will speak of them as if they were. Now, the Pharisees, the group that Jesus was around, these were people who did it. They had set opinions. You need to do this. The Sabbath needs to be followed in this way. But the Word of God didn't say to do that. But they were sure of it. That's how you start getting into those areas. Be sure of those things that the Word of God has taught you and that you have walked in. Be certain. If you haven't walked in it yet, then leave some room for some learning. You might still be able to learn some, some things in that before you come to that certain place. And if the Word of God hasn't taught to you, taught it to you, certainly you haven't walked in it. Don't be in that all that certain of a way. Verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, Jesus has said, look, I'm going away. They're focused on the spot that you're leaving us. <laughs> this is going to be sad. We're going to be upset. We're going to be hurt. We're going to be affected. They're looking at the things that are hurting, that are affecting them. He says, look, I told you I'm going away. and you're not. None of you are saying, well, where are you going? Because you're so focused on the fact that I'm leaving you or that you'll be left here without me. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. <clears throat> it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's saying, look, it is actually better for you. If I go away, when I go, I can send a helper to you. Jesus is only in one place at one time in his ministry here on earth. But the Holy Spirit is going to be all over and he's going to be in everyone who invites him in. That's a whole lot better. He said, look, it's a whole lot better. What I'm, what I'm setting up for you is going to be a whole lot better. You won't have to be sad. You'll be sad because you won't see me. But you don't need to be sad. Good things are coming. Verse 8 says this, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Now that part there, when he has come. 
The actual Greek construction of this means both things. And when he has come is one way to be, you translate. You can only translate it one way when you write it in here. But you can get both of these meanings from the Greek. And when he has come, this will happen. But it also means this. Because he is coming. Not only when he has come will this happen, but because he is coming, this is how he will operate. This is what he will do. So because he is coming, it has an effect upon them now. It's not just in the future. When he has come, this will go on. No, because he is coming, this is what's happening. Because does not the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin now? And of righteousness and of judgment. So when he has come, but it's also because he is coming. So even in a time when the Holy Spirit wasn't there, these things were going to be be happening. Now verse 9. Of sin because they do not believe me. The reason that people will be on their way to hell is because they do not believe in Jesus as their Savior. That's it. Doesn't matter who else you believe in. Doesn't matter if you, well, I believe in Buddha or I believe in whatever one it was that you went through out there. Tough beans. You can do whatever you want to do, but those that believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, those that believe that He came as the Son of God, those that believe that the Son of God sent, or the Son of, that God sent Him on a mission, and that He accomplished that mission, those are the ones that are saved. So the Holy Spirit is coming and showing people, hey, you haven't received Jesus. You haven't gone in this way yet. So he's going to convict them of sin. Now the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. It is not to condemn. Keep that in mind. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. It is not to condemn. We got lots of people around to try and condemn. How many, don't, don't raise your hand on this one, just the inside hand. How many have ever felt condemned by other Christians? We are going beyond the role of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not here to condemn. The Word of God, and I didn't pull that verse up for you, but I can quote it for you so you can know that, brethren, if our heart does not condemn us, we have peace before God. The Holy Spirit does not condemn you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. He points out, this is, this is wrong. Our heart condemns us. Man, you are just no good. Oh, you are just a terrible person. God would never come and, and give His Son for you. You're just too terrible. That wants to condemn you. The enemy wants to condemn you. God does not condemn you. He wants to convict you of sin so you can do something about it and change it. The people who operate in condemnation for other people, for other, for brethren, for sisters in the Lord, they operate in condemnation. They are not operating by the Holy Spirit. They are not people who know the Father. They are not people who know the Son. They are attached to a different vine and they are accomplishing a different purpose. But they have put a lot of people in a place where they say, I don't want any of this Christian stuff because all they do is condemn you. They condemn me for this. I remember one person, um, Brother Keith was talking to, Brother Keith Moore was, uh, was ministering to, and he came up and he was convinced that his cigarette smoking was going to send him to hell because people had told him that. People had told him that he would be going to hell because he smoked cigarettes. Now, I'm sure no one here has ever run into anybody who had that opinion. Then uh, he told him, and we, we've told you many times before, no one's going to hell because they smoke cigarettes. Now, it may be a, a good habit to get rid of, 
but you're not, that's not going to send you to hell. Cussing's not going to send you to hell. It's a good habit to get rid of, but it's not going to send you to hell. It, it, these things can limit you and can affect you and hurt you from where you want to go. So he told this guy who came up, he said, I want prayer for this. And so he said, all right, this, we're, going to, we're going to pray for you, but I want you to do this. Every time you go out and you light up a cigarette, I want you to say, and I think this, this particular one was, I want you to say, I am smoking for the glory of God. Another time he said, I want you to say with your mouth, I am delivered from cigarette smoke. He had different, two different people uh, say different things on it. I am delivered from cigarette smoke. Yeah, but I'm lighting up and smoking. I don't care. Just make sure that you go out there and you do that. I am delivered from cigarette smoke. Another one said, I'm going to smoke for the glory of God. <laughs> That's what he, he said. I want you to say it. And so they, these people, they went out and they did it. And, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, the one who was saying, I'm going to smoke for the glory of God, just bugged them so much. They just, they, they couldn't go on. The other one, he lit up the cigarette, smoking away. I'm delivered from cigarette smoke. Smoking away. But he had to say it out loud. That was the deal. You got to say it out loud. Speak it out loud. Don't think it. Speak it. You know, he spoke it. I don't think that one was more than a week or a couple weeks until he was done. He couldn't do it anymore at all. See, you can change things. But that's not going to save you. What's going to save you is getting the Jesus, accepting Jesus and then receiving that Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's going to convict you of sin. Hey, Steve, this is, hurt, this is hindering you. This is holding you back. Let's get rid of those things. So he'll help you out with those things. But don't let people come around and, and condemn you. Because what the devil wants to have happen is that people get convicted of their outward sins. I'm sorry, condemned because of their outward sins because that's Christians that make them feel bad for how they dress and how they talk and how they smell or whatever it might be. They try to condemn them for that. And they say, well, I just don't need these people. And yet the Word of God has said you do. The Word of God has said, hey, we need the people to, to help us out with our walk in Christ. And so he's putting up a wall there, kicking them out. You're not accomplishing the will of God. You're accomplishing the other will. Because you have attached, these people have attached themselves to another vine. Verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of righteousness, the reason he says this, I go to my Father. He goes to the Father to take his blood and put it before the altar. And he sits before the Father. Because of that, we have his righteousness. When the Father looks down upon us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And that's why he puts that in there. Our righteousness, the Holy Spirit is convicting us of righteousness. Look, not your righteousness. Stop trying to do all the good things and be good and just receive the righteousness of God. When people step off of that and they try and become self-righteous or they try and do their own kind of righteousness, he's going to convict them of that. That's not what the Word says. It's not what the Word's calling for. Verse 11, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world is judged. Now, the reason he puts it that way is that's who the judgment is coming for. The judgment is coming for the ruler of this world. But those people who decide to team up with the ruler of this world will be judged with him. Just don't team up with him. Don't stay on his side. Get off his side and get over on Jesus' side. As we said, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict, not condemn. He's not here to condemn you. 
Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Oh, I'll tell you what, we get the understanding of this verse. I have many things to say to you. Could that not also be said of us? Could God not be saying, I have many things to say to you. I have many things to teach you. I have many things to pour out to you. But you cannot bear them now. So I ask this question. What are the reasons why we cannot bear the truth? If he wants to speak those things to us. If, if Jesus is saying, I want to say these things to you, but if I did, you couldn't bear them. So I'm keeping that back. What are the reasons why we cannot bear the truth? Did I leave them in your outline? Or did I take them out? Did I leave them in there? All right, good. I know I had to take out some list. I was pretty sure I was trying to keep this one in there for you because I wanted you to make sure you could take this one home. First off, what we still don't know or haven't learned. There are things I still don't know. Because I don't know them, he can't speak other things to me because I don't know this yet. Remember when the uh, Jesus was saying, who am I? Who do men say that I am? Then he said, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, all right, the Spirit of God has revealed this to you. Now, he began to teach them other things. Why? Because they received that knowledge. There are things that I have not received the knowledge that I need to receive in order for me to hear the next thing. That's one of the reasons why I can't bear it. God says, Steve, I'd love to share this with you. I'd love to tell this, but you haven't learned this yet. You got to get out there and you got to learn this one yet. And so we keep pressing in. We keep learning. First one, what we still don't know or haven't learned. Number two, what we haven't walked in. I've learned it, but I haven't walked in it. I've learned the command, but I'm not doing the commandment. I've learned this is what God wants me to do, but I'm not doing it. I'm not walking in that thing. I learned it. I know it, but I'm not walking in it. When you take a truth and you walk in it, you obey it, you operate in it, it changes things. Your understanding of that will become a whole lot better. So you know the truth, but you're not walking in it right now. When you start walking in that truth, it will change some things. And God says, ah, now we're walking in that. Now we understand I can share this now. You hold yourself back when you refuse to walk in what you've learned from the Word of God. Because you can't bear what He wants to give you. Here's the third one. What it hasn't been able to lead me to know. Because when I learn one thing, that can lead me to know some others. If I refuse to learn this, I won't be led to the other truths. And then they won't lead me to other truths. Number four. What fruit we haven't yet borne. There's some fruit out there that he's looking for me to bear. When you bear this kind of fruit, I can put this on you. But I need to see this kind of fruit. If you don't have this kind of fruit in your life, it's not going to work. If you don't have this kind of fruit of a love walk, the kind of fruit I need you to have, not just a little bit, but the kind that I need you to walk in. When you get to the place where you're not constantly talking down about other people, Oh, now I can share this with you. Right now, if I share that with you, you'll speak it out to, to the wrong people. You'll say it in the wrong way. You'll condemn people with what I teach you. We haven't borne the fruit yet that we need to. Here's the last one. What hasn't been exposed or brought to you? When I receive teaching and I get a commandment from God, it's supposed to show some things in my life. Oh, I need to... I this has been exposed in my life. I didn't realize this was a problem. This has been exposed in my life. This attitude, this way of walking, this way of doing that, that's been exposed as a problem. 
I need to take care of it. Or it exposes an area of my life that I have not yielded to him yet. And I got to come to that place that says, I'm going to yield this to him. I didn't realize I hadn't yielded this. I didn't even know this was here. But I need to yield this area to him. Those are just five reasons. You can probably keep on thinking on that and come up with some other ones. But there are reasons why I need to find out what those reasons are. I need to be attentive to them because I want to make sure that if he wants to share something with me, that I can bear it, that I can hear it. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, just like Jesus did. Whatever Jesus heard, he spoke. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He is going to tell you things that are going to be down the line for you. He's going to be giving you warnings. He's going to be telling you some good things that are to come. He's going to be speaking some of these things to you. It's just like, uh, you know, I know there, uh, some weeks ago there was a big report that went out. And my wife and I, we were talking about it. Uh, and it was put out by a person that I really, one of the few people in media, I can count probably, I probably don't need more than three fingers to, to talk about people that I have respect for in the media, that when they say something, I listen to them. This is one of those people, I can't say I listen to them every week. I'm, I'm, um, there's no news people out there that I really listen to every week. But when this person says something, I usually tune into it and say, all right, what's going on here with this? And this person said something about diesel fuel and raised a, a big flag that diesel was going to go and, and run out. I mean, you heard that. It was a couple of weeks ago. We're all going to run out of diesel fuel. My wife and I were talking about it. And I said, well, I said, I trust this guy. He's, he's tied into some things that I'm not tied into. He might be able to see some things. But I said, still, the laws of the economy still operate. You cannot get away from that. The laws of the economy are supply and demand. If the supply is low, what happens to the price? It goes up. If the demand is high, what happens to the price? So if you have the demand high and the the, uh, product low, what's going to happen to the price? It's going to soar. And when I was talking, I said, I don't see the price soaring. I see the price high. It's high because gas is high. You know, it's high. It's still in the $5. But if it was that, that kind of shortage, then surely we would be seeing a jump into the $10, $12, $15, $20 range really quick. Because the guys that sell it know the supply better than we who buy it. And they know what the value is of what they have. If I've got something that I'm selling for five bucks and I could get 20 bucks for it, I'd be a fool to sell it for five. Because I can get more. And I'll have people lined up probably to try and get it. So I never saw that. So I didn't put a whole lot into the report. Never came in here and talked to you about it. Or got us uh, concerned. Because I'm not, see- I'm not saying that it's not. I've heard of many things for a little while that are going to try and affect the, the supply there. and But I'm just not seeing it right now. It, because supply and demand, it works. It don't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, or independent. Supply and demand will affect you. If the supply is low, if the demand is high, you're going to be paying a lot more money for it. When you get a lot more supply, the price goes down because now we have to try and sell off what we have. But the Holy Spirit, His number one role, I heard somebody teach this before, and I've never gone through to try to prove it. But um, I, I certainly see oper- him operating this way more. The number one role of the Holy Spirit seems to be to give or to lead in the truth. He is also the spirit of power. He's also the spirit of wisdom. He's also the helper. There's not a lot of other things that he's called. 
But it seems like the number one thing he's there to do is to lead us into truth. And he will speak of things to come. Because he wants you to be forewarned. He wants you to let you know, hey, do this. Get this thing over here. Don't go out there and buy a whole bunch of stuff because the news people are telling you, well, there's going to be a shortage on eggs. You better get all the eggs that you want. Or there's going to be a shortage on this. You better get a, you know, toilet paper is going to be short. You better buy all this. Whatever. Don't let them do it. Listen to your spirit. When the spirit of God says, hey, go out there and get some, whatever it might be, you better listen because he's warning you of things to come. He's not putting you in fear. He's warning you of things to come and you need to take action. Remember Joseph? There's going to be a shortage. So, here's how you take care of it. And he gave them a plan. And that plan was way down the road. They had to start listening way down the road. And even when they seemed like they had plenty, God still says, nope, you're still going to do it. And Joseph followed it. All those years, he kept storing it up, he kept storing it up, he kept storing it up, so that when the seven years of famine came, he was ready. Why? Because he listened. If you listen to the news reports in Egypt, I'm sure they're all saying, we got lots of wheat. We got lots of products. Barns are full. They're probably all saying that sort of stuff. But Joseph listened to another one. Listen to your spirit. If your spirit is telling you to go out and get stuff, go out and get it. If your spirit is telling you, just relax. Then just relax. But he will tell you things to come. We haven't gotten to the meat of this yet. Let's keep going. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Jesus's. That's what he said, isn't it? All things that the Father has are mine. They're his. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying, he's going to take what I have, and he's going to declare it to you. Because all that the Father has, it's all mine. Now keep that statement in mind. It's going to help us down the road here. Verse 16, a little while, and you will not see me. A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. So a little while, it's going to be a little bit of time, we got our word micro from this. A little while, just a little bit of time, you will not see me. So you see me now, but in just a little while, you're not going to see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. Now you're going to see him because the Holy Spirit will bear witness of Jesus the same way that Jesus is bore witness of the Father. If you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you know Jesus. Because he'll reveal them to you. Oh, I didn't give you one of the reasons. One of the reasons I am not growing is the work of the Holy Spirit I am not receiving. That's that last one we just... I probably didn't give you the one before that, did I? Oh, that was the one before that. One of the reasons... That's the first one. My number's different. But one of the reasons I am not growing is the work of the Holy Spirit I am not receiving. That'll keep you from growing. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. And we need to be receiving of those things. We need to be walking in those things. Make sure that you do it. A little while, verse 16, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. 
Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to my Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? I think this is fascinating. Because we still see this going on today. Jesus makes a statement. They don't understand the statement. So they ask each other, what does he mean? I don't know what he meant. If somebody makes a statement and you don't understand what they were saying, should you ask someone else who also heard and is ignorant? Should you do that? You know, you had some other people next to you. Did you hear what they said? Now, sometimes my wife and I were watching a movie and sometimes a character will say something and she'll say, did you hear what they said? No, I didn't hear what they said either. And sometimes if we care enough, we'll rewind it and go back and other times we just don't care enough and we just keep on going. We'll figure it out eventually or it's just not important. But wouldn't it be better if we could just walk in there and, and get a hold of the character? What did you say? Because they would know. They would know. But a lot of Christians, we hear things, we think we hear things in the Spirit, and instead of asking the Holy Spirit, what did you say? We start asking each other. What do you think this means? Well, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? So Jesus is there. And they're asking each other because it's easier to ask each other than it is to ask Him. It's more comfortable to do that. If you want to know what someone meant in the statement they made, ask them. Not the people who heard it. Ask them. Now, how many news people do you know play this game? They hear somebody make a statement. You pick your one you, that, you, that you're thinking of. He makes, they make a statement in the, the running for office. They make a statement of what they have done in office or whatever it might be. They say something. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Well, well, Don, um, I think that he was meaning something like this. Yeah, well, I was kind of getting that he was meaning, and he'll present this as if it's true. It's like, why don't you dope just call him up? What did you mean? I always love it when the news people, they come up with their own interpretation, and then the person who said it confronts them. I didn't say that. Yeah, you may be saying that now, but I know that's what you meant. No, you don't. You are not them. If they said it, they ought to know what they meant. Does that ever frustrate you? If you said something and people put their own interpretation on it? Oh, it's real great when we're kids. Yep, you know, yes, mom. Mom, can we do? Well, all right, and she puts restrictions on it. And then we come home, we broke a couple of those restrictions. Well, I thought she meant... Well, Johnny, he was with me. He thought you meant this way. Uh, no. You know what she said. You know what she meant. You're just trying to find a, a, a way to get around us. Now, we had the election is all over, all the commercials all over, all over. And one thing I've always done, no matter who the candidate is and, and what side of the aisle that they're, they're on, is I never take information of a candidate from their opposition. I, if, you know, if, if uh, 
this this candidate who's running against this candidate says that this one did such and such. I don't care if I like this candidate over here. I don't believe him. I just defaulted. I don't believe you. I'd rather go out there and I would I would look it up. I'm going to find out what did they say. <laughs> I put a quote up on the on there. Most of the time, I put a quote up on the Facebook. It was just on my personal page, but I put a I love the quote. And I just put it up. But every time I do that, if it's by somebody that I don't know, I look up who it was. Because I want to promote some some nutcase who maybe stumbled upon a nut, a good one, and promote that. Then they're thinking, oh, you like this person. Uh, I don't know. So I always look them up first. Who is this person? And if I don't seem to like the lifestyle of the person or things, are, then I just, I don't need to share that. Whoever sees it, sees it. So I was doing one, I had one, and I looked up this person. I'd never heard of this this woman before, but the quote was great. And so I looked it up, and then it, all this stuff came to me. It says, yeah, uh, people keep attributing this quote to this person, but no one knows that she actually said it. <laughs> so she may not have said it, so I just put a thing up there and said, hey, I don't know who said it, but it's good. And uh, we don't really need to get into what it was, because that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> just, uh, just, Just go and ask them directly. But I was watching some of those uh, news people, and um, you know, the, one of the races that we had going around here in Pennsylvania was against Oz and Fetterman. And some of the commercials that come up for Oz, I would watch them. They would put, he would have these uh, videos of Fetterman up in there. And I was thinking, man, you just took the most unflattering pictures, videos of uh, Fetterman. I just can't believe. I mean, he's always in a hoodie. Every time I saw one of the Oz commercials, he's always in a hoodie. And he just didn't look very presentable. And I'm thinking, oh, that's just, you know, somebody just finding the ugliest picture you could. And then I saw a Fetterman commercial, and he's dressed exactly the same way. Hoodie, pair of shorts. I mean, just looked unkept. I'd, I, well, I guess that's, that's how he, that's the way he looks. <laughs> that's the way he does. I don't, usually, you know, you, you find people in a political thing, they find the ugliest picture, the meanest looking picture that they possibly can do. Uh, and they try and bring that on out. And they make accusations. They'll say, well, you know, Fetterman, well, Oz, they did this. Well, I just go up and I look at their records. I'd rather see uh, what they did and what they had done, not done. And uh, Fetterman, he's not a guy that I could vote for. He did not have the characteristics of a godly person that I was looking for. No, I can't tell you that Oz had all that, all that kind of one either. He was not, neither one of them were my horses. My horse didn't, uh, so to speak, didn't make it into the into the final race. Uh, like Kathy, I thought she was going to be a, a phenomenal person to, and I was looking forward to, to running for that one. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you can't always get the perfect candidate. But you know, when we were going back years ago, we had uh, Obama running and people were making accusations against him. I didn't like Obama because of the things Obama said, not what people said about him. I looked at what he said. I looked at what he did. I looked at how he treated the people that were around him. Uh, to this day, I still do not, I do not care for the man. I won't, that wasn't going to change because he hasn't changed on what he's doing. He hasn't changed on what he's saying. And Joe Biden was one of the ones who actually took Obama and took him down a road that was more corrupt than the road he was already on. I don't know if everybody knows about all that, but Joe, Joe bragged about it. He actually bragged about it. Yeah, I, I uh, helped Obama get to these, these things. So I, I'll go to the source. What did you say about yourself? Because I want to find that out. I don't care what your candidate says you said. What did you say? How did you explain it? This is what they should have done with Jesus. 
Make sure you do this. Don't take opinions based upon what other people say. Whether it's political candidates, people in church, ministers, whatever it be. Find out what did they say themselves. Listen to their own words. If you have questions about it that you need to, try and, and, uh, and get a hold of them. Especially with Christians that are around you. Just get a hold of them. Did you mean that? Well, no, no, I didn't mean that at all. And you'll have something sometimes that will rise up on the inside of you and say, Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They're trying to hide behind it now. No. Listen. If they're telling you that's not what I meant, then show them some mercy. Because if you don't show them some mercy, how are you going to get mercy when you need it? Okay, well, it came across to me this way. I have people sometimes, they pull me aside and they say, Boy, when you said that, I heard this way. Oh, I did not mean for it to come out that way. Oh, I appreciate you telling me. I got to make sure. Sometimes I even come back and I straighten it out. I didn't want anybody having that, of, that opinion of, of that. It's not what I meant. It's not what I intended. But sometimes you just say things just, uh, just a, a, little, a little off. So if you have questions, go to God. Ask Him. And then listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you to the right answer. If you've got questions, God, why did this go on? God, why did your word say this? God, what do you have a... In, in there for me on this, verse 20, Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. There's going to be some things, the direction is going to go, he said it's going to cause you to be sorrowful and the world's going to be glad. If you ever see people in the world glad about a thing, just know you probably don't like it. Whatever way it went, you probably don't like it. I told you that, my, that's been my philosophy on political candidates. If the news media loves you, there's a problem. If the news media hates you, you've got my attention. I don't care what party they're in. I care, does the news media love you? The news media loves you, you got a problem. If the news media hates you, because that's the most corrupt group of people out there. If they hate you, there's got to be something, there might be some good in there, in you. Maybe not all good, but there's going to be some good there. And I got to go find out what that is. But anyway, just make sure you do that. The enemy is always going to try and get you to have walls built up between you and other people. Well, no, you meant this. Oh, I'll tell you what, husbands and wives, we can fall into this real, real easy. Because that husband or that wife can say something and then come back and, well, no, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. You are just driving a wall in between there. You need to give them mercy just like you would give anyone else mercy. Make sure that you do it. Don't sit there and say, well, I know that you meant this. You just got caught and now you're... <laughs> Be careful. Let them explain things to you. Now, sometimes people do lie about the explanation. I understand that. Holy Spirit will speak to you and help you out with it. But always make sure. Be on the side of mercy. Because you're going to want mercy yourself. What brings sorrow to a saint brings joy to the world. <laughs> but what brings joy to the saint that brings sorrow to the world. But just know this. In the end, our sorrow is going to be turned into joy. In the end, the world's joy is going to be turned into sorrow. Now, you may not watch a whole lot of sports, but even without watching sports, is it, let's just take football, it's a football season. Is it important who is winning the football game at the end of the first quarter? It's a little bit of importance because you've got to lead. Is it important who's leading the game at halftime? 
I mean, a little bit. They got the lead. You always like your team to have the lead. Is it important to have the lead and the, at the third quarter? Sure. But the most important thing in a game is to have the lead at the end. You can be losing the game through the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and 14 minutes and 58 seconds into the fourth quarter and take the lead in the last two seconds and who wins the game? The person who has the lead at the end. That's the one. That's the person you want to be is the one who has the lead at the end of the game. We don't care about all the stuff that went on in the in before. You care about that. It's kind of like if you spent the whole time watching the team. How many people have ever done this? Watched four quarters of football. Your team is winning for the whole game until the end. They lose on a Hail Mary pass that goes into the end zone. The team scores a touchdown. How do you feel? Ah, oh, yeah. It's just, ah. Oh. And it doesn't go away right away, does it? No, next day you're still feeling poorly about that. But if your team played a lousy game for the first four quarters, all the way up until the last ten seconds, scored the touchdown to take the lead, how do you feel after the game? Oh, yeah, we're happy about this. We're filled with joy on this tomorrow. The next day, we don't care about how bad the whole rest of the game was. What do we care about? They won it in the end. We won it in the end. Oh, we are glad for that. Well, that's what he goes on here to Tell us about it. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you have you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take away from you. I've heard a couple of women told me, if you don't forget about all the pain in labor. You'll never have another kid. But it just seems like after the baby's born, it just you just forget it until you get pregnant again. And then suddenly you remember. Yeah. But you see, the joy that comes at the end is so much greater than all the things that you went up to. And that's what he's saying. You might have sorrow. There might be some things that the world's rejoicing in and you feel pain about. You feel sorrow for. But don't worry. Don't worry. Holy Spirit's going to tell you about things that are coming. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, who has all the Father's things? Jesus does. Isn't that what he said? Everything the Father has is mine. But he says, you're not going to ask me anything. And in that day, in what day? That day when he goes on to be with the Father. He leaves them, goes on to be with the Father. Holy Spirit comes. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. But we don't ask Jesus. Don't go around here asking, Jesus, please give me. Oh, Jesus, please heal me. Oh, please, Jesus, do this. If there is something that we need to ask God for, ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Forget all the other things that people want to try and tell you that you need to come to God with. You don't need any other stuff. What you need is the name of Jesus. Anything else is to water down the name of Jesus. Come with the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that in the name of Jesus. Ask in the name of Jesus. Jesus is telling you, telling you. Up till now, you've asked nothing in my name. But you see, I'm going to the Father. 
I'm going to be with the Father. So ask in my name and you'll get it. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now he's been, make sure you get the other two weeks we told you about some of the things that uh, qualify that. So this, in that day, would seem to refer to the day that Jesus returns to the Father. Now look at this. You'll miss this in the English. This is one of those times when the English language is just not up to the task of what the Greek language can do. He says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. The Greek word here where he says ask, when he says ask me, is the Greek word aroteo. Aroteo. It means to interrogate by implication, to request, ask, beseech, desire, entreat, and pray. I was really spending some time trying to get the difference between this word and another word, but I found out the difference wasn't quite what I was looking for. So he says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. You will, eroteo, ask me nothing. When he says here in the second part of the verse, until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking, I'm sorry, one pair passed it. Most assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, that word there for ask is not the same word he said ask me. The first word is erateo. The second word is iteo. Iteo. It's a different word. It is, has a completely different number. It has a completely different definition. Erateo is not iteo. They mean two different things. Now, I was looking at this. The definition for Iteo is to ask, beg, call for, crave, desire, or require. And I was spending time trying to figure out the difference between these words. But the difference wasn't in what the asking was. The difference was this. In the first word, Erateo, it is a... Uh, did I put that in your... In your... Um, I'm not sure if I did that. In the, the first one, Erateo... It most frequently suggests that the petitioner, the one making the asking, is on equal footing with the person he's doing the asking with. So if you were a king and you asked another king, King, will you do this for me? You would use this particular word. But the Greek word, aiteo, is a petition of one who is lesser. It is one who is a servant of the king and would ask from a lower position. So look at it this way when you read it again, and that, this way. And in that day, you will, you will ask, this first word, this first word is erateo, in, in that day, you will ask me nothing. You will ask me nothing on an equal footing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, ask the Father, aiteo, to, um, I'm sorry, I'm mix, mix, yeah, mixing them up. The Iteo, this is one who is lesser. So the second one, I'm in a lesser position from the Father and I'm making the ask. He says, you're not going to make the request on an evil basis anymore. Because up till now, they see Jesus as a person. They see Jesus as there with them. I'm asking, but I'm asking from a position, I'm a person, you're a person, we're asking on that same level. you up till now, you're not going to ask me anything more. Now, here's a, here's a real interesting thing. In John chapter 11, verse 22, I want you to write that verse down. We're going to flash it up on the screen, I think. John 11, 22. When it talks about Jesus asking things of the Father, when it talks about when Jesus asks the Father, I will ask the Father and He will send. I will ask the Father and He will do this. Whenever Jesus speaks of Himself asking the Father, it is always the word 
Eroteo, asking on an equal footing. He always asked God on an equal footing. Remember Martha? Remember all the problems that she had? She didn't, she didn't understand God. She, she blamed Jesus when he came back. All that's John 11, 22. This is the story of the raising of Lazarus. And Martha has come to Jesus, and I'm just looking at this one phrase that she says. But even now I, I wrote in there Martha, just so you would understand who it is. Even now I know that whatever you ask, I teo of God, God will give it to you. What she is saying right there is, I have no idea who you are. I've heard you speak, but I've never heard you say, never heard it, never understood that you are asking God on an equal footing. Even now, I know that if you ask God as a servant of God, he will give you. You see, it's just a slight change, but it means she didn't know him. What do you think that did to Jesus when he heard her say that? He's thinking, I have never used that word when I talk about how I address the father. And that's the word you chose to use. Iteo. No, I don't Iteo the Father. I don't. I ask the Father on an equal footing. And every time that Jesus is in the Bible, every time I ask the Father, he is using the word to ask on an equal footing. But he says, you're not going to ask on an equal footing. You're going to ask on a lesser footing. But you're going to use my name. Because when I ask the Father, I'm on an equal footing. So you can come to Him, and though you're not on an equal footing with the Father, use my name. Use my name. And He will do it. If you use my name, He will do it. But you've got to use His name. That's why the enemy is always out there trying to get people to not use the name of Jesus. To not speak in the name of Jesus. Why the, in the book of Acts... We, you will not speak in this name anymore. He wants to get rid of that name because the name causes problems. We gotta get rid of that name. Don't get rid of the name from your prayers. Use that name. Father, I thank you that you hear me because Jesus is sitting beside you. And in the name of Jesus, and that's how we make our request. Now don't forget the teaching that he did between 14 and 15. That's important too. Williams puts it this way, and he has a, and Williams and Weiss go along the same lines with this. At that time, you ask me no more questions. They put this as more of a question thing because of how they were asking and some of the meanings from the word as well. At that time, you ask me no more questions. I most silently say to you, the Father will give you as bearers of my name whatever you ask him for. Up to this time, you have not asked for anything as bearers of my name. But now, you must keep on asking and you will receive that your cup of joy may be full to the brim. Another reason I am not growing is the work of the Holy Spirit is not bringing me joy. There's a lot of times that our, our Christian life is not filled with joy because I keep thinking, God does not want me to have this. God does not want me to have this because I don't know what God wants. I've taken what other people have said about God I've taken some of the condemnation the people have put from God onto me. You don't need that. The walk that we have with God is supposed to bring you joy. Joy will empower your walk. You need to have that joy. One of the reasons that we are not growing is because you don't have joy. You don't have joy. Whatever you do in life, 
If you have joy, you'll be more glad to do it. More, you'll, you'll be happier to do it. Oh, it's, it's fun to do. But you have to have that joy. How do you find that joy? God, talk to God about it. God, I need to find joy in how I'm walking out this Christianity stuff. Because all I have in my head is what people have told me, and that's condemnation. How do I walk in this thing with joy? Because if you do it with joy, you'll do it more often. How many people like to walk on their cars? Anybody like to work on their cars? One guy, two guys like to work on their cars. The reason that you do it is either one, you save money and that brings you joy. Or two, you just like to do it and it brings you joy. It brings me no joy. I get no joy from working. None. Zip. I don't like it. I dread it. I have to work on the car. So I pay people. They do the brakes for me. I let them, let them do it. I did change the oil for a little while. Brought me no joy. Nope. Nope. I brought me far more joy to walk into a place, let them drain it all down there and take care of that for me. And it was, it was all done well. I, I enjoyed that. But there's other things I do that bring me joy. If I'm doing the things that don't bring me joy, then I can't do the things that bring me joy. And my life doesn't have joy. God wants you to have joy. He wants you to have the, the joy. So there's going to be some things in your life where you just don't, I don't like doing this. I don't enjoy doing this. Father God, help me to find a way to get this done so that I can do the things that bring joy. And he'll show you. He'll tell you how to do it. Let him do it. Because he is concerned that you have joy in your life. He's concerned that you have joy. He wants you to have, he wants you to be glad about life. He wants you to wake up in the morning and be glad. Oh, we got a day here. I got another day to serve God. And it should bring you joy. If it's not bringing you joy, something's not right. The joy, it's not, it's not working. We got to get that, that button fixed. Keith Moore used to teach about the, the, uh, gauges on the plane. And joy and peace were two main ones to tell you how your faith is doing. Make sure you keep that joy up. Father God, how can I get more joy in my life? Let him show you. He'll show you some things. Because you gotta, gotta have that joy. He says this. But now you must keep on asking and you will receive that your cup of joy may be full to the brim. God wants to give you things that help fill you full of joy. He wants to. He desires it. He says, says it right here. And Jesus has given you his name to get it done. Now again, Say this one more time. Make sure you get what went on, what he taught in 14 and 15. Don't just go on out there and say, well, I want this. Make sure you get 14 and 15. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask, I tell you, ask from an inferior position in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. He's not saying, I'm going to ask the Father for you. you got to do it. In His name. The devil is trying to sell people on, well, if God really wants you to have it, Jesus will send it to you. you got to ask. He's telling you, I'm not there to make the request for you. You are. Ask in my name. For the Father Himself loves you because he, you have loved me and I believe that I came forth from God. How do we know that we love Jesus? From last week, how do we know that we love Jesus? We do what he says to do. That's how we know we love Jesus. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. 
You can read it this way. The Father loves you because you intend to keep His Word. For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. He's, he came to the world. Now He's leaving the world. He's going to go to the Father. Verse 29, His disciples said to Him, See now you are speaking plainly and using no figurative figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know oida. I'm not having gotten into that word, but that just means absolute knowledge of a thing. Come to the full knowledge of something. Now we are sure that you know all things, and I have no need that anyone should question you. That is our, our Greek, our, our word to be asking on equal footing. We have no need that anyone should question you. Be on equal footing. Eratao. By this we believe that you came forth from God. So here's what they're saying. And then Jesus is going to kind of set them back a little bit here, right here at the end as he finishes up. By this we believe that you came forth from God. From these things, because you spoke to us plainly. Because you're not using the figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things. Now I know that you really do know all things. And no one needs to question you. So we believe you. Doesn't that sound good? Verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What they're saying is, all right, now we know. We know that you know all things. We know. We don't have to question you anymore. Now we believe. And what's he saying? Oh, yeah. In just a little while, you're all going to leave me. Just a little bit of time. You're all going to leave me. I'm going to be alone. That's how much you believe. That's how much you think. You see, because they don't know. They think they know. But they don't know. Sometimes I'm in the same position. I think I know. But I don't know. Let God lead you. Let God speak to you. Every single day that you are alive on this earth, God can teach you more things about Him. Every single day that you are alive on this earth, He wants to reveal more of Himself to you so that you can hear more things that He wants to speak to you. He says to us as well, I've got things that I want to share to you, but you can't bear it. So are you receiving what the Holy Spirit is doing? Oh, I didn't give you other reason. Here's the third reason. Another reason I am not growing is the work of the Holy Spirit is not helping me to overcome. I'm not overcome. Things are overcoming me. I'm not filled with joy. Things are overcoming me. I'm feeling overcome by them. I don't feel like I can go to God and say, in the name of Jesus, I need to receive this. In the name of Jesus, I don't feel that I can do it. I'm going all kinds of other ways. God, look at how faithful I've been to you. Look at what I've, I've read so much of your word. Look at all these things. that I'm, I'm trying to show them these things. No, in the name of Jesus. Don't go by your works. Don't go by the things you've done. Don't go by anything else but by the name of Jesus. Anybody who wants to teach me to get to God by any other means by the name of Jesus, they're done. I don't listen to it anymore. I just had somebody on the other week. Uh, it was new for me. I was listening to them. They were teaching, going to, to God a different way than the name of Jesus. I don't listen to them. Any, I don't need it. I don't want to hear that. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. i got to make sure I stay with what the Word teaches. Stay with what the Word teaches you. Stay in that area. So are you receiving what the Holy Spirit is doing? Is your joy full? 
If it's not full, you probably are not receiving all the things that he wants to say, and that's why you're not overcoming. The reasons that you, the reasons you, boy, I messed that one up. I must have changed it a few times. Hmm. The reason that the overcoming lifestyle that Jesus speaks of is eluding you is you are doing things in a way different than Jesus taught. That's why the overcoming lifestyle has not come your way. You are doing things different than Jesus taught. You need to get back in there and find out. These three chapters, 14, 15, and 16, will teach you more things about the ways of Jesus and the ways of the Father. We've taught, we spent three weeks on them, but you could spend a whole lot more. Keep getting into it. Jesus is telling you about the Father. Jesus is telling you how to overcome in this life. Jesus knows how to overcome, and Jesus walked in it. I think he has, he has every right to teach me with a certainty. This is how you do it. I'm not going to teach him. I'm going to learn from him. If you looked at the cartoon this morning, how many people looked at the cartoon this morning? I tell you, I try and tie them into the stuff that we're doing. Charlie Brown's there walking around depressed. He's trying to give the instruction. If you walk upright, you lose all the joy of being depressed. Why? If you want to overcome, you've got to walk like an overcomer. Jesus is teaching you how to walk like an overcomer. Receive what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. Receive it. Don't argue with it. Receive it. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, Steve, quit that. It's not helping you. Yes, sir. I will receive that. I will do that. When the Holy Spirit says, Steve, you need to study this topic some more. Things are coming down the road. Yes, sir. I'm going to do that. I receive the things from the Holy Spirit. I don't question the things from the Holy Spirit. I'm not in a superior or equal relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is my superior. I've received from Him in that position. He is my superior. Yes, Holy Spirit, what direction shall I go? I've received things from Him. Joy will come. Joy will fill up your life. You should enjoy living the Christian life. It should not be a drudgery to you. If it is, you've learned another way. It looks like it, but it's not the true vine. You are not attached to the true vine. Get attached to the true vine. Go the way that Jesus is saying. If you go the way that Jesus is saying, yes, there's going to be opposition, but there's going to be joy. Yes, there's going to be people that are going to come against you, but you're going to overcome. And the Holy Spirit will teach you how to do it. He's going to tell you stuff that's coming down the pike. Hey, get ready for this. It's coming. All right, we're ready. When he gets here, won't bother us. This is going to help. This is how he's going to help you. This is an exciting Christian life. If you are not experiencing the joy of the Christian life, then something on what you're doing is not right. How many people have ever gone out in a car and you started the car up and you don't know a whole lot about engines? You don't know a whole lot about cars, but you started that car up and you heard it running and you say, oh, that's not right. That's not, that's not right. And you, sometimes you turn it off because I'm, I think I'm hurting something. Something is not sounding right. I don't know what it is, but it's not right. If you don't have that joy, something is not right. Fix it. Go to God. Find out. What am I supposed to do? How do I walk in this joy? How do I get into this overcoming lifestyle? There are some things that you just can't hear right now. You can't bear it. But he wants to get you there. He wants to teach you some things. When he teaches you, get them into your life. Put them into practice. Do them so that he can teach you more. And then when he teaches you more, oh, you get excited. Oh, yeah, look at, look at what's going out there. 
and you're, and you're glad and your joy level is beginning to, to build. God can turn your joy level around really quick. But you got to do what he says to do. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the overcoming lifestyle that you have taught us how to do. Jesus lived it. Jesus walked in that overcoming lifestyle. Jesus heard the words that you spoke and he did them. And whatever he would ask, he knew the Father would give him. Father, I thank you for the things that you do in our life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us. We don't have Jesus to look at, but we can be glad because we have the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear that voice even louder. Help us to learn what it means to be attached to the vine that we can grow because every day we should be growing in you. There are some things that we are doing in our life right now that are hindering our growth, that are holding us back. It looks like they should be helping us to grow, but it's holding us back. We're doing something. We haven't. We got part of our life that's not quite lined up with what the Word of God said to do. We keep bringing in other things. Keep bringing in the wrong kind of anger. We keep bringing in a lack of patience. We keep bringing in believing bad reports. We keep bringing in hearing what other people have to say and believing it instead of going to the source. All these things can wear us down, take us down another way. But Father, I thank you that you lead us in a life that is filled with love, that is filled with joy, that is filled with peace, that is filled with doing things the way that God says. When we do, we walk in your light, walk in your love, and we overcome. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. So good to have you all here. Glad you uh, took part of your day to come on out. Tomorrow we have.